Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, today we're starting a brand new series. We're looking at the book of Nehemiah, Rebuilding Broken Dreams. Have you ever had a dream that you hoped would come true, but it all went up in smoke? You know, maybe from the dream of being a parent uh, that was dashed by infertility, or a dream for a career, but eludes you because you just can't find a job in your field, or the dream of a marriage that would be described as, and they lived happily ever after, but it ended abruptly. Broken dreams, they are a fact of life. And sometimes experiencing a broken dream in our life can make us feel as though our hope has died as well as our dream. Broken dreams are more than just an ending. They're also an opportunity for a brand new beginning. So let me ask you a question. How many of you say that your life turned out exactly the way you thought it would when you were a teenager? I think if I could see hands or your faces, most people would say, nah, it, it just didn't turn out that way. I know it didn't turn out that way for me. Um, very rarely does life work the way that we plan. And sometimes it's incredibly uh, difficult. And when that happens, uh, there's a few ways that we could respond. Uh, one is you could just become you know, discouraged and, and depressed and uh, full of despair and delusionment. And, and well, millions of people choose to live that way because of a broken dream. Some others choose that they're going to abuse substance to help uh, numb the pain of the experience. Huh, millions of people do that. And then, of course, there's another option where you can take the opportunity to grow deeper and closer to God through the experience. The difference has everything to do with your view of God. And so I pray as we make our way through the book of Nehemiah, we will be able to identify with Nehemiah when his heart is crushed and he's weeping because of broken dreams, but we'll be also be able to identify with him when he rejoices because God is doing a brand new thing. He's restoring a broken dream. So if you have your Bible or some kind of electronic device, I'd encourage you to follow along as we read this morning. Now, for some of you, maybe the Bible is still fairly new and, you know, it's kind of difficult to make your way through the Bible. I mean, there are 66 books of the Bible and sometimes it's hard to find where they all are. So let me give you a hint. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. In fact, if you just open your Bible right in the middle, it should fall open to the book of Psalms. You just go back a few pages to your left, you're going to hit the book of Job. Then there's a small book, Esther, and then bang, you're right into the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to be uh, reading right from the very first chapter of Nehemiah. I heard one man say that he never reads the book of Nehemiah without asking the question, what is it in my life that lies in ruins? Uh, we may ask the question, what is it that's in our life that is broken? What a probing, life-changing question. Uh, here's what I know by experience. God can and God does restore broken dreams. Those broken dreams that left you devastated and you'd wondered if you would ever survive or, or smile again. Well, just before we begin to read uh, from chapter 1, 
Let me set the stage for you. The Jewish people have been in captivity for many, many, many generations. Uh, these are very dark days uh, for the Jewish nation. Uh, they have adopted the slogan, our broken dreams will always remain broken. Restoration will never happen again for us. These are days of, of discouragement, days of depression, despair, overcast, very solemn days. But then this ordinary guy named Nehemiah steps on to the scene. And so with that, let's read the first few verses of the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. It says, The word of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So he just wants to get caught up on, on some news. They said to me, those who have survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble, and they live in disgrace. Whew. Life's not so good. I thought it would be good going back to the land of Israel, but what we're finding out, what Nehemiah is finding out, it's not so good. They said the walls of Jerusalem are, are broken down, and the gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God, the God of heaven. Now, first things first, for some of you who maybe the book of Nehemiah is fairly new to you, you're thinking, well, who is this person uh, named Nehemiah? By anyone's standards, he's just kind of your average, ordinary guy. He doesn't possess any superpowers. Uh, he maintains a good job, a steady income, but he's completely accurate. I mean, a completely average guy. That would be accurate to describe him that way. In chapter 2, we discover that he's actually a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, and he's been doing this job for a very long time. He's been doing it so long, actually, that the king really considers him uh, extremely trustworthy. And in many ways, Nehemiah is on the front lines to protect uh, the king, because back in those days, uh, it was very common for people to try to assassinate a pharaoh, a king, a ruler of a country, and they would do that by poisoning. So they would have a cupbearer who would test the food first, would test the wine first, and of course, if they got sick or they died, well, hey, we're going to stay away from that meal today. So in many ways, Nehemiah is putting his life on the line every day. Well, King Artaxerxes um, is the stepson, actually, of Queen Esther. Some of you uh, are familiar with that story, the book of Esther. Well, this is her stepson who is uh, ruling at, at, at the time. And the whole story is going to take place in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Now, Nehemiah is a contemporary to the priest Ezra, to the prophet Malachi. You may be familiar with those names. Two books in the Bible uh, bear their name. Uh, Plato actually was living during these days as he was influencing a generation of students. Uh, Socrates was brilliantly defending uh, his philosophy during this period. Herodias was captivating uh, audiences with his best-selling history books in this time frame. I, I don't know if they ever actually had an opportunity to talk or chat, but it's kind of interesting. Some very famous people are living during this time. And Nehemiah, well, he's born in captivity. And it's interesting, an ordinary guy born in captivity, and that's who God chooses to rebuild 
the broken dreams for the nation of Israel. Not the intellectuals, not the philosophers of the world, not the great literature writers of the world, but God chooses just an ordinary guy named Nehemiah to rebuild the broken dreams of a nation. For those of you who um, are familiar with the book of Daniel, uh, the world empire at the time was the Babylonians had invaded uh, about 160 years earlier and basically had destroyed the city of Jerusalem and just kind of burned it up, tore down the walls and brought back to Babylon uh, the cream of the crop, you know, the, the intellectuals, the smart people, the, the nobles. And the, and the plan was that they would just kind of blend and weave into Babylonian society uh, and culture. So uh, it's been about 90 years um, because under King Cyrus, uh, the first uh, few remnants were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild the city. That was about 90 years earlier. And then 13 years earlier, Ezra takes a group of Jewish people back to the land of Israel to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the temple. And so you would think, you know, something should be happening in Jerusalem. The king has given permission for some of these captives to go back, actually, uh, to their land. But the report comes back, man, it's unbelievable. After all these years, the walls are still a mess. The gates have been burned down. The temple looks terrible, and nothing seems to have changed in the city or the temple. They both still lie in ruins. Now, Nehemiah has never been to Jerusalem. He's never seen the temple. And yet his heart identifies with the city of Jerusalem and with the temple. Why be so broken up about a place that you've never visited before? I mean, your mom and dad has never been there. Your grandparents have never been there. In fact, there's been eight generations of your family who have never been there. Why so upset? Why the sadness uh, from this experience when you've never been there, Nehemiah. In fact, at first, when I read, I go, come on, Nehemiah. I think you're a little over the top. Maybe just being a little dramatic. <laughs> uh, you've never been there. Why, why so broken up about this? Well, I find this interesting. It, it seems, the older I get, I, I, I really believe this to be true, that God has stamped on the heart of every Jew the city of Jerusalem, even those who have never been there before, stamped in their hearts a, a love for Jerusalem. It's just part of them. I think God just embeds that into who they are, a, a love for the city of Jerusalem. All around the world last weekend, Jews were celebrating the Passover, and somewhere during their celebrations, they always say, this year here, next year, Jerusalem. I think it's the dream of every Jew to one day go to the city of Jerusalem. I remember our tour guy. We took a group last fall to go to Israel. And Alini, she grew up in Brazil. She spoke uh, Portuguese and Spanish. She had Jewish parents. She had never been to Israel. But she said there was something inside of her that just wanted to go to the land of Israel. And at 19, she moved or she went to visit Israel and then she never left. 11 years later, she's still living there. Something embedded in her heart. There's something that God does in the heart of Jewish people that wants to see Jerusalem um, prosper and thrive. I think if you ask anyone who's ever gone to the city of Jerusalem, that there is something that they would say about that ancient city that has a draw, an appeal, something majestic 
about the city. Well, the report comes back to Nehemiah because he's been waiting. Some of his family, his brother has actually gone and, and to visit. He's just kind of anxious. What, what, so what's happening in the city of Jerusalem? And boy, it's not good news that comes back. In fact, here's the news. The walls are broken. The gates have been burned. There's great trouble in the land. People are living in disgrace and distress and despair is everywhere. Not a great report. You go, what? What, what, what happened? I mean, uh, there was a plan. I mean, the, the dream was to go back and rebuild what was lost. How did this happen? Like, what went wrong? Will this be the state of affairs for Jerusalem's future? I mean, is there any hope, any chance that things could change? I mean, it's completely out of my control. I mean, what can I do with these things? I mean, we've all been there. Those are the kind of the questions that we ask ourselves. So uh, first thing I, I was thinking about this, about broken dreams, is that maybe we need to switch our, our thinking a little bit. Maybe we need to go from asking why something happened to maybe asking the question, what? Like, what's my, what do I do now? What's the next thing for me to do? So instead of maybe praying, why, 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 God? Although God invites our questions, so it's never wrong to bring your questions to God. He can handle any question. But I was just thinking about that. Maybe, Donald, you shouldn't be asking so many whys as to why something happened. Maybe it would be far better if you just say, well, what's next now? Now that this has happened. Because I think when we do ask why, I think there's a lot of times, most times, I don't think God reveals it to us as to why certain things happen. I, I think he does that because I, I don't think we could really fully comprehend because our, our such limited perspective uh, that we have. You know, we ask the question, why, why did God allow the coronavirus become a global pandemic? Uh, why has he allowed it to cause so many people to, to live in fear? Why has he allowed so many families to be impacted financially, emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually? I don't know. I don't think I'll ever know the answer to that question. That's why I say it may be more helpful if we switch the question as to why and focus on the what. Like, what now, Lord, that this has happened? Like, what's, what's my next step? Like, what's going to be best for me in my next step, knowing this has happened? In the book of James, um, it tells us, if you lack wisdom, if you lack understanding, God says, come and ask for it. Like, come and ask. And, and here's what I love. He, he says, and I will give it to you in abundance. I'll give you what you need for your next step. When, when your dreams are broken, when your heart is broken, when your life is broken, Jesus says, come. come let's just come and I'll give you rest in the journey that you find yourself in. When life is so overwhelming, Jesus says, Cast your care on me. I can handle what you're going through. Cast it on me. Give it to me because I really do care for you. You know, God is the, the master dream builder. And there are hundreds of thousands of people, probably millions of people, who live in frustration because of uh, broken dreams. 
And some of you have experienced that even in this season that we find ourselves with the coronavirus. I mean, some of you had some big plans for vacation. You, you kind of had saved up all year, and you were supposed to be going away. But it, it's not happening. And some of you had some big retirement plans, but now it's like, wow, financially it seems to be uncertain uh, for us. Some of you thought you were going to have some big career changes happening, but everything's been put on hold. Some of you had some big wedding plans that were supposed to be happening this month and next month and, and the month following, and now it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. Some of you had big birthdays that you wanted to celebrate and have all kinds of friends over, but it's just not happening. Some of you had some anniversary celebration plans, but they, it's just not happening. And some of you have had some family members pass away, and you just wanted to have some friends gather to love on, to love on you. But everything has been put on hold. It's just not going to happen right now. You know, so many people, they're working hard every day, but they're never really getting anywhere. And their lives are kind of characterized by shattered hopes and broken dreams. Somehow he takes the broken pieces and puts them back together again. So don't lose heart. God has promised to bind the brokenhearted and restore those dreams that have been dashed. And he does that through the restorative ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus has the ability to breathe new life into us when we find that our, our lives are broken. Most of us usually have some struggles that we're working through. And God can breathe new life into brokenness. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus can breathe new life into you, into your broken life, if you trust him. He can rebuild your, your broken life. He, he can restore your broken heart. He can resurrect your broken dreams. And some of you are watching, and you really don't understand what I mean when I say trust Jesus with your life. You probably are thinking, how, how can God rebuild my broken life? I say you may have a hard time understanding that because you don't know God personally. You may know a lot of facts, but you don't know him in a personal way. Do you know that the Bible actually tells us that you can know God today? You can know Jesus right where you are. You don't need to come to a church building to receive the life that Jesus offers. You know, last weekend we celebrated really the greatest day in history when Jesus conquered death and left that tomb empty and the fact is he did it for you he did it for you and he did it for me you know today you could actually pray in your own words and ask jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask him to take over your life and by the way it's not a prayer that saves you it's not words that save you it's the fact that you put your trust in Jesus who died for you. But if you were to pray something as simple as, Lord Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I, I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again that I may have new life. I believe that. And I'm sorry for my sins. Would you come into my life? Based on God's word, 
God comes in. Jesus comes in and gives us new life. And I love what the Bible says, whoever, whoever. You've never gone beyond God's reach, ever. Because the Bible says, whoever calls on me, Jesus will answer. So based on God's word this morning, if you pray something like that, you have become part of the family of God. So let me be the first one uh, to welcome you. And we certainly would love to help you on that journey. We'd mail you some information about what it means to take your next step in your faith with Jesus. In fact, I'd encourage you to let our online hosts know that you gave your life to Jesus so they can make sure that you receive something that will help you on this journey. And if you don't want a Bible, we certainly would love to send you a Bible as well. I realize we're just kind of getting started into the book of Nehemiah. I'm really looking forward to the weeks ahead as we dive a little bit deeper into this book about a man, an ordinary man, who helps a nation rebuild their broken dreams. And so next week we're going to continue with that. And I hope that as we make our way through this study, we're going to discover that God too does that for us. He loves to restore our broken lives. He loves to resurrect our broken hearts. Thanks for listening. And consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no